This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Greetings, I am Barry. If you're searching for answers, spiritual help, clairvoyant readings, healings, crystals, books, incense, or jewellery, you need to go to Infinity, Hamilton Spiritual Centre, in the new premises at 550 Anglesey Street, or you can phone us on 838 1838. This is your link between this life and the next. Become the change the world needs today. Greetings, I am Barry. This is the voice within for another week. So the winter solstice was on the beginning of the week. Um, So this is David Farrell. He's talking to our friend Pam Gregory about what's coming up after the solstice and uh, through into um, April. Hi everybody and welcome to another edition of the Astrology Show here on the Wisdom Hub. It's my great pleasure once again to be in conversation with the wonderful, delightful astrologer Pam Gregory, who today is going to be sharing with us um, some of the upcoming astrological movements that take us through this Aries and beyond that into the big conjunctions of April. So without further ado, hi Pam, how are you? It's wonderful to see you again. Yeah, I'm really good, despite everything. Thanks, David. I'm in great form here. So it's it's really lovely to share with you. And I love your your kind of African boma. I know you're in Mexico, but it looks like an African boma. It looks really beautiful there. So and and sunny and hot. So I envy you that. But it's it's joyful to be with you again. Thank you so much. I'm not going to lie. The weather is really beautiful here. And uh, yes, I'm in a different space together. Yeah, I'm not going to gloat too much for those of you back in Europe right now and enjoying a northern European uh, spring. Um, But yeah, thank you. Thank you. So um, we have a lot to talk about today. Um, We've had lots of big movements since we last spoke, which was in the run up to the winter solstice last year. Uh, I can't speak for the audience out there, but I know that it's been some of the most tumultuous, life-changing three months of my life, um, but ultimately also uh, led to uh, lots of deep realizations, lots of deep releases, lots of healing, but also clarity about the way forwards for the future. So it's interesting for me to see how this energy is rolling on and also something that you've talked a lot about, Pam, over the last few weeks of your your own show is really just the kind of the separation of the frequencies and the need to kind of work out which individual path we're all taking so I hope that what we're going to share today is going to give uh, the audience out there a further indication of the possibilities that are open to all of us right now depending on where we put our attention and intention and which narrative we're listening to whether it's the inner narrative or the external narrative. So without further ado, let's get into the astrology, Pam, and let's talk about the Aries equinox that's coming up uh, next week. Yeah, very well said, David. I, I'd really echo that. And if you think the, the last few months have been tumultuous, all I'd say is you ain't seen nothing yet. Wow. So what I'm going to be talking about here with David is the Aries equinox. Um, And this is important because it really is regarded as the astrological new year when the sun moves into Aries. And here I'm talking tropical Western astrology, not Vedic, but the sun moves into Aries on the 20th of March. It's a day earlier um, this year. And it really does. It's like striking a tuning fork or a gong. It really sets a kind of background tone for the next 12 months and the next three months in particular. 
So regarded as that, regarded as, you know, the kind of hum that's happening in the background. Um, and onto that, I put more paint on the canvas, as it were, in terms of detail as we go through the upgrades. So first of all, with this Aries Equinox, I'm going to talk about some of the more challenging aspects and then move forwards towards um, some of the really beautiful energies in this. So Sun moves into Aries on the 20th of March. Um, and just out of interest, that happens at um, 8.34 Pacific, and then you can work it out for your own time zone from there. Now, we've had a very, if you've listened to me at all over the last two years, you'll know that we've had a very long-running square between Pluto in Capricorn and Eris in Aries. And this continues all through this year. So Eris in Aries, as you will have heard me say, she's the female warrior. She's the sister of Mars. She really stands um, for justice, for equality, for everybody needing to be heard, every voice needing to be heard. Nobody excluded, nobody on the periphery, because the whole myth was that there was a huge wedding on Mount Olympus and all the gods and goddesses were invited except Eris. And so she turned up anyway and created mayhem by throwing a golden apple um, in amongst the goddesses, the ladies, and said, for the fairest. And of course, there was a huge um, kind of catfight, let's say, um, which supposedly led to the Trojan War. So she really kicked off. So she has no fear of creating chaos and discord in order that everybody has a voice, everybody to be heard. So she, you know, this square has been so, so incredibly clear and evident um, in the world because she represents the protest, the demonstrations, the, you know, what about, what about everybody, the equality side of things, but she's running up in this square, which is a very challenging aspect against Pluto, top-down rules, regulations, control, governments. But within itself, Pluto in Capricorn, that whole process is to reveal any corruption in those top-down power systems, to reveal it, and therefore that will accelerate the collapse of the old order, the old structures, the old order, and other things are adding to that. But nevertheless, so that's the clash, you know, the people on the street demanding justice, freedom, etc., and running up against that top-down authority. But also, I love the fact that Eris is the patron, patron saint of chaotic creation. Mm -hmm. I love that because, yes, there's going to be a lot of chaos this year for sure, even more than we've had so far, I think. But, you know, this is almost getting, getting into the laws of physics, how from chaos other states emerge, as it were, even boiling a kettle. You know, that's a chaotic sort of change in molecular structure to produce a new state, as it were. So that's very important. But, but it's even more important because it isn't just a square. It's a T-square because we have Pluto and Capricorn, square to Eris and Aries, and opposite Eris and Aries and square to Pluto is the moon. The moon is at 29 of Libra. So Pluto's at 28 of Capricorn, Aries at 24 of Aries um, and the moon at 29 of Libra. And any time the moon in mundane astrology represents the people. And that is also square to Pluto. Now, whenever you have a hard aspect between the moon and Pluto, you have enormous emotional intensity. The people are feeling incredibly intense. What are they feeling intense about? Well, they're feeling intense about 
Libra, issues around fairness, justice. We're back to some of the Libra, uh, sorry, the error symbolism. But it's also about power because Pluto also represents power. Where does your power lie? And as you were saying at the beginning, David, is it external or your narrative is external? Is how you regard power external or is it internal? Because the whole point of this process is for us to learn our inner power. That's what it's all about. Not in any egotistical sense, narcissistic sense. It is just a strong sense of center, anchor. I know who I am. So that that square is incredibly strong. But what's interesting about it is the moon is exactly within 23 minutes conjunct the dwarf planet Homer. Homer. So Homer, as I've talked about many times, is a dwarf planet that is linked to the Hawaiian goddess of fertility. Um, she's linked to a very creative, regenerative energy. She could birth babies from all over her body. She could produce wild food from the land and the sea, even when it was very toxic and had been laid waste. She, she is a shamanic principle, but she's a very, very strong symbol for new earth. So in this T-square, we have the elements of the collapse of the old, but the moon is shining its light very brightly on Hamaya. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is the symbol for new with more green shoots becoming evident. So that is a very strong configuration as we move forward. And we are going to find ways of producing food, um, particularly if we get together in community. Um, it's a lot of Aquarius energy here as well. And of course, that's, that's going to be increasing as we go through the next few years. In fact, up to 2044. The other T-square here, is a T-square between Saturn at 20 of Aquarius and the nodal axis at 25 of Taurus Scorpio. Now, this is quite interesting because at one level, this is about greater attempted control, Saturn, more rules, regulations, and control on our freedom, Aquarius, on our free speech, on the internet, Aquarius. Aquarius is linked to all of those things, internet, free speech, etc. So there will, I think, for sure be even more, if that's possible, it's been so much already, attempted control on any free speech. So that's the difficult side of it. How successful that will be, of course, is down to our own pushback uh, and the strength of Eris in all of this. But on the positive side, that Saturn square to the nodal axis, and remember the North Node is our collective future destiny where we're headed. It's also about forming new social structures, social Aquarius structures, Saturn, which will be, as David and I have talked, ad infinitum, much more community based, collaborative, people of like mind getting together. And so that's another. Um, very strong aspect, but be aware there's going to be a, you know, a, a challenging aspect to it, which will probably force or accelerate the forming of the new social structures. You know, do you know what? I'm out of here. I'm going to go and create a parallel society. And an awful lot of people are doing that. And I know you are doing it too, David, and I'm sure you'll share some of that in a, in a little while. Um, the other thing that's very important here is we've got a, a Venus-Mars conjunction at 13 and 10 of Aquarius, so quite a close conjunction, and they are both squaring Uranus. And remember, in Uranus and Taurus, and remember when I'm talking about these things, it isn't just for the 20th of March. 
it's for the following 12 months from the 20th of March. That's really, really, you know, these are setting up big themes for the next 12 months. So one aspect of, of that Venus-Mars conjunction in Aquarius is about new relationships going into the future. That can be a one-on-one romantic relationship, but it can also, because it's Aquarius, it can also, again, be your tribe, your family of frequency, going forward, finding new people on your wavelength with whom you are moving forwards into the future. Both of them squaring Uranus is pretty challenging because it's strengthened by the fact that Venus is in the sign that Uranus rules, which is Aquarius, and Uranus is in the sign that Venus rules, Taurus. So it acts, it's called a mutual reception. It's almost like a conjunction between Venus and Uranus, which strengthens this even more. We are extremely likely to see more volatility in currencies, wealth, finance, banking, economies with, yes, very much a move to the digital system. Now, the key question there is, and it's really set up by the square between Saturn and Uranus, is will that be a centralized system? Because apparently all the central banks already have some form of digital currency ready to rock and roll. Or will it be decentralized, which was the original conception of cryptocurrencies? So that's that's going to be a big, 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 big theme going forwards because there will be more attempted control, that Saturn-Uranus square running all year um, on cryptos. The, the Mars square to Uranus is extremely eruptive. Um, I was just telling David before we, we hopped on um, that many, many, gosh, about 25 years ago, I remember going to a lecture by a brilliant astrologer researcher i wish i could remember his name so long ago but he'd studied all the major earthquakes over kind of magnitude of five um in the previous decade and he found over and over and over and over again a hard aspect between mars and uranus especially when they are in fixed signs like they are right now aquarius and taurus are fixed signs so it's like the the tension in the tectonic plates builds and builds and builds and builds and builds, and then boom, it has to crack. You know, it has to be released. And the very fact that we have Mars, sorry, correction, Uranus in Taurus, Taurus is the Earth, fixed Earth, Uranus is the planet of earthquakes, until 2026 also tells me that we are going to see a lot of extreme Earth events, but particularly around times when Uranus is highlighted, like, like now. And this this aspect will be exact on the 25th of March. So earthquakes of all kinds, political, financial, real ones, volcanoes, cyber attacks, um, power cutouts, you know, grid failures, coronal mass ejections, um, M-class, X-class solar flares and storms. Um, Uranus is the planet of electromagnetics, both natural and man-made. So it's, it's very much linked to the unstable geomagnetics we have now and for the, quite some years to come, I think. I mean, even Uranus in Taurus is, is, is that. The symbolism is unstable geomagnetics. So, so all of that is quite a lot of rock and roll, but it is really to break down 
a lot of the old in order to get the breakthrough. You know, if it's just same old, same old, nothing is going to change. We have to go through some kind of extreme to get to a different place. And then starting to talk about a different, a very, very different quality of energy um, is this beautiful, beautiful Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. Now, at the Aries equinox, Jupiter is at 18 of Pisces, Neptune is at 23. So they are, well, it's actually about four and a half degrees apart. They will become exact on the 12th of April, but we are well, well into this energy already because Pisces as a sign is so porous, it doesn't have boundaries. But in fact, that conjunction is on the one side conjunct Mercury at 17 of Pisces. So it's very tight on that Jupiter. And on the other side, we've we've also got the sun just entering Aries, which is seven degrees from Uranus. So it's like four planets, Mercury, Jupiter, Neptune and the sun all in a quadruple conjunction. So it's really highlighting. I mean, the sun is in Aries now, but it's really highlighting that Pisces energy. Now, I've talked a great deal about that on, on my channel. When this video goes up on my channel, I'll put the Jupiter-Neptune mm. video I did below because I, I covered a lot of that there. But on the one hand, to deal with the difficult stuff first, this can be, this can be around um, hypnosis, psychosis, illusion, delusion, deceit, lies. It can be about people being in a trance, it can be about media, um, that kind of illusion. It can be like feeling a victim. And boy, is that playing out big time. I mean, if, if people can't see that, you know, I don't know what to do, because that is clear as day how that is manifesting in the world. Now, I don't have to get into detail. I think it's just so darn, <clears throat> so darn obvious. But on the upside, mm. it can be the unveiling <clears throat> the unveiling of secrets, the unveiling of lies and deceits. Um, and therefore, for many people, this represents a major time of awakening, mm -hmm. really big time. This is beautiful, high-frequency energy. This is to do with the light. It'll bring in a lot more psychic sensitivity for all of us. Our dreams are going to be much bigger, much more vivid, much longer. Keep a dream journal if you don't already. Um, it's brings in a huge amount of compassion, um, heart connection. It's about a shift in perception, a shift in dimension. I want to say an unbounded sense of self. This can bring in an unbounded sense of self, of infinite possibilities, big dreams, big thinking. Something new is being birthed, which we have never experienced, which is going to be absolutely unimaginably beautiful it's going to be exquisite it's going to be an experience which we've never had before and again we can't even imagine but think be in bliss as often as you can despite all the stuff that's going on in the world one of the most helpful things we can do is to keep our own energy high because then we're feeding into the collective and and, and upping that you know, staying in bliss etc but bliss compassion this sense of infinite possibility is very strong. And what strengthens that further is the fact that Neptune is very tightly sextile, the North Node. So we are stepping into a more, a more spiritual sense of self. We're becoming more wave and less particle.
but when good old and spirit dancer never ceases to amaze me how things are put in place you've, you've just heard Pam talking about Aries and, and uh, the, 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 the protest and then the government and the control and then she's talking about like the 26th like this weekend um, eruptions and then just the other day we got um, an announcement that Ruapehu is up to level 2 likelihood of an eruption hmm interesting let's see what else she's got to say so my very strong sense and i know it's yours too david um is we are at a massive fork in the road right here massive and the way i'm seeing it i mean with astrology always 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 you've got a shadow expression of, of any planet and you've got the higher expression and the way i'm starting to see it very much at the moment is that, that some people through their own free will are, are, are living out the challenging side of, of, of the planetary symbolism, whereas other people are saying, do you know what, through my own free will, I'm going to choose this higher timeline. And that is no judgment, um, none at all, because we, we are all on our own journeys, sell contracts, etc. Yeah. But that, though, that fork in the road, the paths are diverging at speed now. And you can't jump from one train to another speeding train that is going. I mean, this is dizzying speed, that higher timeline. It's going in quantum leaps. So be conscious and aware of every thought, every emotion, every choice you make on what's coming into you in terms of information and narrative. What state of being that is leaving you in? Is that good? Is it helping you or is that taking you straight into victim? Yeah. And fear, you know, because you have a choice in every moment. Yes. Um, whoever you are, whatever your soul contract was. And something I discovered the other day, David, which I mentioned just in a little video I'll, I'll, I'll put out probably today, was I was reading an article and it was a 75 year study that said in any year, March is the most geomagnetically active month of any year. And particularly around the equinox, because what happens at equinoxes is that this is called the Russell McFerron effect. Uh, those were the guys that discovered this, that the, the solar winds can form cracks in the Earth's energy field. And what that means, and they're formed by the solar winds, as I say, and what that means is that the Earth's magnetic field is much more fully open to the sun's magnetic field. And that's why at equinoxes, you know, the ancient people's had ceremonies, we can get a lot more direct information from the sun. Mm. And classically at equinoxes, sensitive psychic people can feel in a higher state of being, they're getting more information that's coming through in their dreams. And of course that's echoing the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, which we only get in Pisces every 166 years. Wow, yeah. So these things are converging, which is what is, is absolutely beautiful. And so many more energies, harmony, so much more light is coming in. I mean, the reason we're seeing so much darkness in the world is because there's so much light. Yes. Yeah. It's like you've got a brilliant spotlight in a, in a room that is just full of cockroaches and beetles and dust and cobwebs that, you know, even the door hasn't been opened on it for a hundred years. Mm -hmm. And boy, are we now seeing what's got to be cleared, but we can clear it with the light. Yes. And imagining that we're beaming this brilliant, sparkly diamond, like just 
clear it with the light from your own sofa at home. Yes, <laughs> we don't we don't have to go anywhere. We can just you know, this is the beauty of where we're going, you know, is that we can do everything ourselves. Each and every one of us can do everything ourselves. And like you said at the beginning, I think this is a, a big part of the shift is is accepting uh, self-responsibility for everything that we do. And this is, you know, in the typical Buddhist tradition, right action, uh, right words and right thoughts, you know, and, and everything matters. Every single thing that we do matters. Even if we have really, really intense thoughts about people right now, because the energy is so fine, people can feel those thoughts. This is the first step towards telepathy. This is really communicating at a 5D level where we're connecting, not necessarily in physical space, but we're connecting from a higher mind space. This is something that is really coming online for a lot more of us right now. And it's still it's still work in progress. It's new technology for many of us, really, I guess. But it speaks to me of where we are heading in the Aquarian age. Um, and so you've talked a lot about the different frequencies um, over over the last couple of years, which I totally concur with. And I feel that the analogy you used of the speeding train is a good one. You know that the, the, the path is splitting now and there's still a small window I believe, in the next few weeks to make that uh, transition from one pathway to another. But everything that you've just talked about is, you know, what I kind of believe is is the end. We're in Pisces, right? It's 12th house. It's the end. But it's also about to move into Aries, which is the beginning. So we're at that beautiful point where there is always an ending. But with every ending, there is a beginning. So, I mean, there's so many things I want to kind of loop back to, but uh, thank you for that really concise overview of really what is, I think, the next 10 days. Is it really, is that in the next 10 days, all of that, Pamela? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, we're into this energy already, to be honest. It's exact on the 20th, but, you know, we're into that energy already and it will resonate for the next 12 months. You know, it's not just for March 20th. Really want to emphasize that. But yeah, yeah you know, as you say, David, that, that Aries energy is new beginnings. It's pioneer energy. It's a whole new episode, whole new start. More this year than ever. Of course, it happens every year. But because of everything else that's happening with the tonic energy, you know, the coronal mass ejections being exponentially increased, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things that just really caught my eye that I want to kind of begin with, and I'm going to try and bring a few threads in here, is this idea of the um, the sort of the energy shifting, the, the, as you talked about, the the winds, the solar winds and the cracking of the earth. Well, of course, at the equinoxes and the solstices, we shift elemental energies. Mother Earth actually shifts elemental energies. And the spring equinox, we shift from air, which is really sort of the mind and dreaming. And, you know, we, we go to fire which is really giving action and things happening. But it can also, of course, mean fire in the earth, um, which is super interesting, given all of the other um, factors you've just brought in there. I, I really feel that we are close to some major geographical, topographical changes on the planet. And I think what's really important is because we're talking about some very difficult uh, things going on in our world right now. And it's really important, I believe, that we are not in a place of fear. This is where the choices of the two pathways is really important. One is very fear-based and very heavy and very dense. The other one is very uplifting, very progressive, very pioneering. I love that idea. And we all have a choice, as you so correctly said. In every moment, we have a choice with everything. The choices aren't always good. I will make that point. Sometimes we have a choice that seems bad and then we have one that seems even worse. <laughs> but uh, if we really tune into our hearts and what's right for each and every one of us is our truth, then we can only ever make the right decisions. And I, from my own experience, can, can vouch for the fact that when we really let go 
and we put absolute trust in our higher selves and creative uh, source or great spirit, everything always works out much more beautifully than you could ever have imagined. But it really requires you to clean, create space, accept the light, let go, release and be in a place of trust. And when you're in a place of trust, the universe is really something quite amazing. So I just want to make that point because there are really the choices. We can choose to be in fear or we can choose to be in bliss. We can choose to be, you know, progressive or we can choose to be sort of kind of pulling our energies back in. And I think that that's something that we're going to see a lot of over the next few weeks. So um, I love what you said about Eris. Um, she is the, the goddess of, how did you put it? Constructive of chaotic creation. Love yes. it. Yeah, you know, and I think that that's really where if we sit in the energies and we can feel that, you know, that's where the phoenix rises from the flames. It's from the, the collapse of the old. You have to collapse the old to allow the new to come through. And, of course, being very scorpionic, it's a regular occurrence for me, so I'm quite used to it. <laughs> but it's interesting for me that there is a lot of scorpionic energy at work at the moment. Um, a lot of the people that I'm connecting with um, in the projects I'm working with uh, have Scorpio rising, which I think is really interesting, but also a lot of Capricornian energy, which is really mastery, of course, you know, at its sort of pinnacle point. And I think that that's really interesting for the motif of building uh, or a grassroots community from the ground up. We need these kind of energies of death and rebirth, but also of good um, management mastery, but not necessarily the top down hierarchy that we've had before, which, of course, is the more shadow side of Capricorn. So, you know, let's um, perhaps look a little bit more at some of the, the energies coming up over the next week or two, because um, this Eris and Aries and, and, and that kind of energy, how, how do you see the other conjunctions and transits we've got going on at the moment, Pam, um, relating to this in the 3D space? And I think this is a really important point, the distinction between what's happening in the soup in the 3D and what often is happening at the 5D are quite often not the same. And this is where we can be hypnotized uh, or tricked or be in illusion or delusion about uh, what is going on. So, yeah, yeah there's, such, you know, such a split because, um, you know, the sun moving into Aries as well is warrior energy, oh, yeah. warrior energy. And Aries is also in Aries, goddess, you know, uh, a sister of Mars. She is also female warrior energy. And, you know, if we look down the time tunnel, just a short distance to the 5th of April, which is just literally a week before this beautiful Jupiter-Neptune conjunction becomes exact, we have a Mars-Saturn conjunction at 22 of Aquarius. Now, that is difficult. That can be on a personal level, a lot of irritation, even anger and frustration, because Mars wants to go, 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 go really quickly, uh, stepping on the accelerator, and Saturn says, no, 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 you can't go at all. You know, that's the break, that's the control. So it personally can feel like a spinning of wheels and a lot of frustration. On a mundane level, it can be quite militaristic. This can be heavy handed. This can be forceful control of freedom, forceful Mars, control Saturn, Aquarius freedom, forceful control of freedom. So that is quite difficult. And that's exact on April the 5th, just a week before the Jupiter Neptune could. So these are happening very close in time. And that's why I'm feeling that you kind of choose one point of focus or the, or the other. And exactly as you've said, David, Check in with yourself with everything you're, you're listening to, interacting with through your day. Check in. What's my state of being? Is this improving my state of being or is it making me feel heavy and fearful? 
do I feel lighter as a result of listening to that or being with that person or meditating in that way? Check in on, you know, where am I at? What's my frequency? What's my state of being? And that, that really, I think, is going to be the most helpful thing. But I, you know, more than ever, I feel we are going to be living at these different levels of the, the rubber hitting the road, the gritty, aggressive, controlling, I want to say even dystopian, dark side of life. And the others who, who are just following the white feather. They yeah. don't know where they're going because the future's invisible, but it has the promise of something much more beautiful. If we trust, it has to be a frequency match to where we are at ourselves. Could, could we also see the Mars, uh, Mars, was it square Saturn as... Um, conjunct. conjunct. Oh, sorry, conjunct Saturn. Yeah. Could we see that also as... Um, you know, sort of the individual wanting to break free with the energy of Mars direction, and but also being held back by the system, the matrix, the parents, you know, the government, however we see those things. I find that very interesting because it seems that we are at a point where um, we are witnessing for maybe the first time in many of our lives much more clearly what what is the effect of what some of us would call the matrix, the the illusion. And the more that we can see the illusion from our, from our eagle's perch, and I, and I love this man, I love the eagle's perch idea, because that's really non-dual awareness. And the more that we can take that step back to the eagle's perch and survey everything that is going on from that non-dual perspective, um, we can start to see the illusion in its totality. And I think that once you start to see the illusion in its totality, you can start to see how ubiquitous it is and how much you've been living in it your entire life and how long it's been going on. But also then with me certainly came the desire not to want to be a part of it anymore and to take active steps to release uh, those things from my life. I'm going to talk from personal experience from, from my life that needed to be let go of so that I could expand, which I really think is the Jupiter energy, right? You know, that's coming up. Yeah in um in april and uh, you know i think these are the energies that if we can work with and not get pulled into the hypnosis of the um the psychedelic box that is television or our laptops you know and i remember uh john perkins the economic hitman once saying that he said the real psychedelic experience is is the tv is hollywood uh you know and i think that that's very very true because the more that we get pulled into that the more easy it is for us to be convinced of other people's narratives, right? And we're living at a time where there is claim and counterclaim from one side to the other. You did this, no, you did this, no, you did. And it's just like, in the end, how are we ever going to know who's telling the truth? We're not working for the UN. We're not working for NATO. We're not working in the, you know, the governments of the world. So all we have to do is we, all we have really is, is this kind of media propaganda and, you know, projection, but there are different places to look for information. And I think that's also really important is that we, from our eagle's perch, if we have the desire to, to kind of find a way through this, is to be able to assess all of the information available to us, process it within our internal system, our energy field, our body, find what resonates in our body is the truth for us, and then work with that. And not to worry about what other people are doing, what maybe family members are telling us, or what maybe friends are telling us, because they may or may not be correct. And it may be, it may be a truth for them, and they may be working to that, and that works for them, but it doesn't necessarily work for you or for me, you know? And I think that that's also really important, that as we move into this new space, we are being encouraged to be sovereign. And sovereignty means, you know, that we are in our own truth, not necessarily imbibing and, you know, um, digesting and sometimes accepting other people's truths. And so I think that's something really important because as we move through these next few weeks, we're already in a place 
where the hypnosis is very, very strong. We've moved from one hypnotic scenario to another. <laughs> and, in you know, <laughs> in a trice. In a trice. And, and I think maybe what's disturbed quite a few of us, myself included, is how easily that hypnosis was switched from one set of parameters and narratives to another one that seemed to manifest almost out of thin air. And, you know, so I just want to to draw, you know, uh, people's awareness to that because we can step back from all of that and from our non-dual uh, eagle's perch awareness position, we can see all of that for what it is and then we can make a decision for ourselves. You know, so, yeah, I feel that like that's a very important part of the next few weeks is really just to kind of sit in that energy and everything you've talked about to me indicates that we are now at the point where we are looking at the end, we're looking at the collapse, but we're also looking at the beginning. And, you know, I really want to remind everybody, there is nothing to be afraid of when we tune into these higher frequency energies. You know that everything is okay. You know that you're going to be okay. And then you start making choices for yourself that follow that frequency, rather than making choices that are kind of ones being projected at you that you've accepted and then you kind of make a choice from that. So that's really where, again, where I see this fork. Yeah, I mean, that is really beautifully said, David. Thank you. And I I'd so agree with you that, you know, that if you're if you're watching the nightly news, as you say, that's somebody else's narrative mm -hmm. coming at you. And it parallels the whole issue about Pluto. And where is your power? Is it external or is it internal? Because if you're following that kind of 3D narrative, you look at the noise in the world, the noise of war and death and poverty and destruction. And you know, it's just overwhelming. And it, it, it everybody would be depressed if they were following that narrative. Everybody. I became instantly more joyful as soon as I switched it off two years ago and haven't looked at a minute of it since. But it also means, as you've really said, David, that you are in a much stronger place to help other people. Yes. Because it's only when you are strong and positive and in a good frequency yourself that you're able to help others. If you're in fear, if you're in anger, if you're in panic, if you're sick, you are much less able to help other people. So, you know, for, for those people who may say, well, you know, it's all right for you and you might be sitting in bliss. So, you know, well, actually, you can do an awful lot practically to help these people in extreme situations, which I do. And I'm sure you do, too. But the, it isn't selfish. In fact, you are you are feeding into the collective in every moment that working energetically is what I really try to emphasize in my work more and more. The power of working energetically. And there's just 10 tons of, of, of evidence on that.
London bloke, um, Sir Cliff Richard to you, that's from the, the stage musical Time, as you see it's in every one of us, as you just heard Pam say, it's down to us, it's down to what David was saying, it's down to us, we don't, don't be affected by other people, what other people are saying, friends, family, more importantly, not government and news media, unless it's this news media. <laughs> So let's continue with Pam's epistle. You know that if it takes a tiny percentage of us, I think it's something like 2% to positively affect the whole, because this is downward causation, that high frequency energy is much more influential on low frequency than the other way around. So boy, are you in service if you are sitting on your sofa at home, beaming out love and peace to the world. Yes. And I believe there's something happening at the moment where for one minute, and I believe it's at 4 p.m., certainly at 4 p.m. in the UK, people are being asked to spend a minute to send out peace. 
to the world, to everywhere that is not in peace. Great. And I think that's a fabulous idea. I know it's four o'clock, 4 p.m. in the UK. I just have to make sure, you know, it's that 4 4 p.m. across the world. I think it is, because otherwise you'd be in the middle of the night, wouldn't you, in some places. So I believe it's 4 p.m. all over the world. But it still creates a wave of many, many thousands of people sending peace. I, I, I think this is really important, actually. This idea of, of self-responsibility, putting yourself first, is not necessarily uh, something that we may have been programmed to believe as being selfish. Because if we're not well and healthy ourselves and our lives are not under control and we're not under control of ourselves or have control of ourselves, then really and truly it seems folly to try and offer our help to somebody else. Uh, you know, it just just logically, that doesn't seem like a great idea. But with this kind of very strong Piscean energy, which, of course, is also the collective, I love what you said, this kind of taking self-responsibility for our own actions in each and every moment of every day feeds into the collective energy. And I, as we, you know, I, I look back to the very first video we did last year, the inorganic versus the organic. And it's the same process of taking responsibility for yourself, making sure that your life is calm and gentle and centered and all of those wonderful things, because that has a natural effect on everybody around you. And if you are finding that you are surrounded by people that are not receptive to that, I would suggest maybe it's time to move <laughs> to a place where maybe you might find that energy because we are also, you know, there's a, a, a phrase that says something like uh, we are the people that we hang around with. It's a bit like we also have the food that we eat. And so it's the same principle that we at this time really want to be looking to fill ourselves with as much high frequency energy as possible, make ourselves as receptive as possible to the wonderful energies that are embracing the planet. And, you know, that really includes who do we spend our time with? Well, I've been spending a lot of time on my own recently. So, you know, uh, uh, I think that's also part of the process too, is as we move forward into this Aquarian age, how do we meet other people? You know, and I love this idea of equal and opposite. And I think it's really, really important. And something I'm really implementing in my life with every new person I meet is how are you my equal and my opposite? And, and particularly across the, the masculine feminine uh, gender divide, you know, is h- how do we start to re- meet each other? Because we've been isolated for so long over this pandemic process that, you know, it's personally speaking, now that we've kind of opened up again and I'm kind of in a more social space with people, I'm really finding that I'm needing to spend more time on my own to process uh, how that experience is for me. I mean, I am very sensitive and empathic, but lots of people out there, lots of your audience will be too. And I think that that's really a big step about how do we move into community together? You know, the communities of the old aren't going to work because they're all paradigm based with top down hierarchies and all of the kinds of things we know about these communities from the past, but that can't be how we do communities in the future. And, you know, what's really clear to me is that as we move into this new earth, this new Aquarian age, is that the old paradigm has to, has to, has to go. And everything that we are personally attached to in the old paradigm has to go. Now, that is quite a startling uh, thing to comprehend, but it's possible. And it doesn't all have to happen at once. But those places where the matrix or the parents still have us kind of tugging at their apron strings are things like our mortgages and our jobs and our attachments to holidays and going to the pub, all of those things which pandemic really actually showed us how to to confront. And I, you know, I still believe that even though this whole process has been quite dastardly at certain points and quite insidious, that actually the light is always working through the dark. And from the non-dual eagle's perch perspective, and I know this might not resonate with some people, but we have to see the villains of the piece as really being the peoples that are the progenitors of change. 
We need the system to collapse. We need everything to implode. And so who better than the characters who are currently doing it? Somebody has to do that job. I didn't want to do it. I'm sure you wouldn't want to do it either. But somebody has to step up and be the bad guy, the villain, in order for something to collapse. So is he really the bad guy or is he really the good guy? And I think the more that we start to play with all of this, we start to see that there is no good and bad. There just is. But if we are working from a glass half full perspective, we can start to see the villains of the pieces really as the people we needed to bring about change. Now, I, I'm not necessarily saying it's the way that I want to do it. And I certainly don't want to sign up for, for that job either. But I just want to make that point because it's <clears throat> really important how we understand that there are different ways of perceiving things, right? I think that's absolutely beautiful, David, because, you know, if we're looking at, any situation just energetically the so-called bad guys are the catalyst for change as you said they're the accelerators of our evolution the last two years hideous though they've been at the 3d level have absolutely ignited human evolution that that we would have stayed in same old same old comfort uh, comfort zone there would have been no momentum to make a change but we've had to make some very radical changes some people have lost their jobs they've lost their businesses etc they've lost family members etc so uncomfortable though it's been if we look at it simply energetically it really is the dissolution of the darkness and a lot of turbulent geomagnetic energy, which is allowing the light to expand and expand and expand. And in terms of, um, yes, you're letting a lot of the old go. If we just are absolutely relentless in keeping a high frequency, what then happens is that we magnetize the, the people on the same frequency. We magnetize the same circumstance. We magnetize our tribe. And I know this is a, 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 you know, happening across the world that people are finding their, their tribe, their like-minded people with whom they'll, they'll march into the future. And we are forming communities from the grassroots up, Aquarius, not top-down Capricorn. You know, people are get, buying land, they're growing food, they're coming together, they're in working groups, they're child-minding each other, you know, children, dogs, you know, they're, they're actually creating a different society of love and harmony and respect with laughter and love and sharing. And the joy doesn't come from you've just bought new stuff. The joy comes in human connection, heart sharing, laughter, love. That's the joy. And that's the joy of the Aquarius energy. But you will magnetize the people and circumstances to you if you are relentless in keeping a high frequency. It'll just happen. It'll just, you know, you stumble across them somehow. For me, it's been life changing, I have to say. Me too. And I couldn't agree more. And I have to thank you again for, you know, the opportunity of doing the videos last year, because that's the last one that we did back in the winter solstice has generated so much here. It's, it's actually what's brought me to this place. Uh, the lady who owns this wonderful avocado orchard in the mountains in Mexico invited me to come here and help her build the grassroots community from the ground up with everything that she's already built. And so that came about out of the video that we did last year. So this is where what we are talking about can immediately happen, you know, and, and so much has happened since I did that video, you know, Pam. And again, I want to emphasize, this is what happens when we act with our intuition and we reach out and somehow we magnetize the people that we resonate with, either they come towards us or we go towards them. But this is really, really important because we're at a time now where we don't have the time to spend months, years getting to know people, wondering what their motivations are. This is a time when we have to be really with our intuition, but it's also a time when we can meet people 
at the higher level. And I'm finding this a very interesting aspect is to communicate with people there first, work out what is our relationship. Sometimes it's past life. Sometimes it's, you know, only from this life, but then almost kind of work down into the 3D. To me, that seems to have removed a lot of the kind of toing and froing and getting to know each other because you feel each other at a heart level. And this is really what 5D is. It's unconditional love, heart level energy. And so when we meet people in that space, it kind of removes a lot of the shadowy stuff that we may have encountered before when meeting people for the first time. And, you know, this this whole piece about unconditional love is it's very difficult to understand if we've never experienced it before, because in Western society, it, it's we're kind of almost brought up and educated to be in codependent relationships where you need something from somebody else. That's not unconditional love. That's conditional. Right. And it's also not sovereign. So I really feel, you know, with this Venus Mars kind of conjunction entering Aquarius at zero degrees hand in hand to me in many ways speaks. I mean, it speaks of many things, but it speaks to me of a new way of masculine and feminine interacting with each other in relationships. And I think this is also a very interesting aspect of where we're moving into is like, what do we understand to be relationship? Does it have to be in the physical space with somebody or can it be through a higher mind connection through telepathy with somebody on the other side of the planet? And I still feel that we're really at the beginning of this, but this is, I believe, going to be a big piece that we're going to move into in the Aquarian ages. How do we have relationships with other people? And I, I kind of feel that at a heart level, it's with unconditional love, because when we meet people in that place, there, there is no need for anything from anybody. There is no judgment. There just is. And we can meet each other in this equal and opposite space. And I think that's really beautiful. So, Again, it depends where we put our focus, right? If we're getting pulled into the mundane and the 3D and going round in circles with individuals, partners, whoever, then this is the time and all of the energy that you've talked about really to me is, is the universe or Mother Earth or whatever forces you know are at work, bringing everything together in the most tumultuous, chaotic of scenarios to literally break everything down. You know, it's almost like the mushroom effect, you know, it's kind of degrading everything so that it can be born again and create wonderful soil, wonderful subsurface connections that allow, you know, many other plants to grow, many other things to bear fruit. And I think that that, you know, this is where the more that we look at nature and the motifs of how nature works, we can see these kind of almost Aquarian ideas springing from the ground up. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's just so beautiful. I mean, the way your life has changed, David, and where you're living now, I mean, it just looks absolutely, you know, you've landed in New Earth, haven't you? You're, you're, you're our role model. You're the shiny example. Because it really does look like New Earth. I mean, it looks like an African boma. It's beautiful. Bless you. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I guess if I can share anything from my journey over the last six or seven months is really that it's been a process of release process of trust but it's also been a process of letting go and deconstruction and in some cases destruction of myself including my identity everything that I knew I thought I knew about myself I've really had to spend the last couple of months letting go of um, which on the one hand is kind of scary but on another uh, on another level gives us a brand new blank canvas to be a much better version of ourselves and you know uh, once we open our heart to that then this kind of thing can manifest you know, and not just for me, but it, it can manifest for all of us. But we have to be brave. We have to be heirs. We have to be a spiritual warrior. We have to step up and we have to look at those places in our lives where we are attached 
to something or we are in a place of need from somebody or somebody's in a place of need for us. And we have to really acknowledge those and start to release them and, you know, say, hey, I'm going to make decisions that are good for me, not because I want to offend you, but because I need to do this for myself. And hey, if we can come together and it works for both of us, great. And if it doesn't, no problem. I'm not doing anything to offend anybody, but I have to make sure that my life is in balance and, and, you know, in a place of peace and harmony, because without that, how am I going to build a new earth? If I'm in a place of chaos and, you know, anxiety and fear, then whatever I build is going to manifest that energy within it. And of course, that's not new earth. So these are, these are all the kinds of motifs that we're kind of moving forward into. And of course, you know, we always like to talk a little bit about the plants in these shows. Yeah. Yeah. Want to share some of that, David? So there are a couple of plants I'd like to bring into people's awareness right now. And one of the major plants, I believe, for this time is dandelion or El Dandelero, as we call him out here. Um, and the reason I'm talking about Dandelion is because um, Dandelion at an energetic level really is a time lord. He is a master of time and he can show us how there is really only the present moment and that everything else is just an aspect of that. And, you know, the past is still vibrating and is still active and the future, of course, never comes. The future is always tomorrow. So there really is only the present moment. But the more that we come into the present moment, the more dandelion uh, asks us to be in a place of trust and to let go. But the beautiful thing with dandelion is, particularly when you work with the flower essence, is that there is this kind of process of synchronicity that the more you let go, immediately something manifests. And we are in a time when the energy is very quick, very strong, but this can be used for instant manifestation. It can be used for instant healing. It can be used for instant release. And when we work with Dandelion at this kind of quantum energetic level, he really shows us that. I've seen it myself. I only really got through the last couple of months through some difficult situations working with Dandelion and being in that place of trust. It's like, wow, today's really heavy. Today's really dark. Today's really challenging. But I know that tomorrow is a different day. And Dandelion is constantly bringing us into this place of like every moment can be different. You don't know what might happen tomorrow. So I left a, quite, quite a difficult situation and stepped into this place. Within the same day, my fortunes changed within a matter of hours. And I went from like, wow, I don't know what's going to happen next to suddenly go, oh, I've, I've, I've arrived. You know, so I just want to share that because this is how it can change. And when we're in that place of trust and we're just like, you know what, I'm following my intuitions and I'm following the synchronicities then spirit can deliver us the most wonderful of gifts if we are clear about what we want. And I think that's really, really important because when I talk to a lot of people uh, back in Britain or in Europe, there is an idea of what people want, but they don't really know what they want. And when I say, you know, if, if you were to have a blank piece of paper and draw on it your future, what would be there? And the first thing that normally happens is that people start bringing up all of the blockages that are going to stop them from doing that. I'm like, no, 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 let's get rid of the blockages and just draw what is in your heart that you would most like to do and give that prayer to spirit and say, this is really what I want my future to look like, right? That's it. If we keep looking for blockages in our life, Pam, because there are many of them right now, right? You know, then we're going to keep calling those in and we're going to keep battling with those blockages. At some point, we have to step up and go, you know what? That's enough. I'm done with that. I want to step out and I want to step into the new. Yeah, because you can't take baggage into, into new earth. Um, you know, you have to be baggage free to enter new earth. You have to be in a much greater state of purity. It's interesting. I think this is relevant to, to what you do with your plant work, um, David, but I, I know that dandelion is very good for kidneys and in Chinese medicine, kidneys are where fear resides. So if there's a lot of fear happening in the collective, a lot of people might be getting hit with, with kidney issues. And so dandelion, I presume would be very beneficial. It, in that way as well 
Absolutely. And this is the wonderful thing about plants is that when we work with an essence, for example, we're working at the spiritual emotional level. But when we work with it like a tincture or a tea or, you know, one of these uh, medicines that has plant material in it and at a physical level, then dandelion is amazing. Yes, for the kidneys, for releasing fear, but also really the liver, which holds anger, you know, and one of the major pieces that some of us have been looking at over the last couple of years is how heavily toxified our bodies are, particularly with heavy metals. You know, and these heavy metals are in our water. So there's, they're even in some of our foods. I mean, so we have a lot of these collections of metals in our body, which also creates circuits, metallic circuits, through which, let's say, messages or ideas can be beamed at us that then kind of find a loop within us that then keep playing out. You know, and I experienced this very strongly during the first lockdown in 2020 um, with, with something that, um, how to say, poisoned my system and went straight for my lower mind and created this kind of loop that was trying to convince me of something. I don't, don't need to go into the details, but it was at that point that my higher mind stepped in and said, see what's going on here. Your monkey mind is caught in a loop and it's caught in a loop, A, because, you know, you have your own personal stuff around that, but also because you have metals in your brain that are creating a circuit board for this loop to keep running. So it was at that point I decided to do a heavy metal detox, which I have to say seven, eight months uh, on really has had a huge effect on reducing the effects of Epstein-Barr virus in my system, which I only really found I had last year, but had been suffering with since I was a child. And I'm sure many of the audience out there will have had glandular fever or chronic fatigue or maybe hepatitis or Lyme's or any of these kind of uh, viral conditions, which are really aspects of Epstein-Barr virus, which is something that most of us in the West have activated. So a lot of the body pains that we might be experiencing that could be attributed to other things from an external narrative are actually really because our bodies are heavily toxified. And so I really would suggest that working with a plant like dandelion on that level, or also the other, I want to bring in some of the other spring tonic plants like cleavers, sometimes called sticky willy. You can go out and find that plant and you can put it in a nice uh, glass uh, vase of mineral water, leave it overnight. And the following morning you have a wonderful cold pressed cleavers water and you can drink that. And it's really good for cleansing the, lymph the lymphatic nodes. We also have, of course, wild garlic ramsons, which is also a blood purifier that you can go out and find. And then we have nettle. Nettle is starting to come back too. nettle is a wonderful plant for so many reasons. Um, you know, so all of these plants can really start to cleanse our energy field, release the kind of toxic sluggish energy that we've got from the winter and start to freshen up our energy system which means that we're much more light uh, there's more space but it also means that we can accept much more easily all of those higher frequencies because they don't have to wade through the dense heavy energies of toxicity and heavy metals so you know these are just a few plants that we can go out and pick ourselves and of course that's also being very empowered we don't need to go to the local doctors and get somebody else to prescribe something for us, we can prescribe ourselves. And I really think that a big part of what we've talked about before, you know, um, Uranus and Taurus and the new earth and different ways of doing things, working with plants is that we can all start to become our own practitioner for our own health. We can all become a medicine person for ourselves. And the more that we do that, the more that we don't have to rely on external directives or narratives to tell us what's wrong with us. I really believe that the person who knows best what's wrong with us is us, but we have to be in that place of clarity, not have our head filled with mumbo jumbo and other stories from other people and whatever. We have to be in a place where we can be in self-assessment of what's going on in my body. How did it get there? Because really anything that's in our body has always started off as energetic um, 
something, you know. Uh, it's like the, the 3D is the end of a, a manifestation process that is starting at a higher level. And that's really worth remembering with everything. That is the essence of magic. Everything that we are using here is magic. Everything in this room is made of magic because it started off as somebody's idea. And then it was brought down with that fire energy into manifestation. So, again, we can also work with the elements in this way to understand how to manifest things. So there are so many solutions right now. So many solutions out in the fields, around our houses, in the woodlands, in our gardens. And, you know, when we start to pay close attention, which again is dandelion, being in the present moment, observing what is going on around us, we suddenly start to see there is a lot more going on around us than we ever really paid attention to before. Not least of all, the fact that there is this wonderful medicine dandelion that normally grows in the cracks in the pavements. This is the other aspect of dandelion that's great dandelion is is a master geneticist he knows how to change his dna at will to the extent where you know um the, the botanists have given up trying to classify dandelion because there's so many thousands of genetic variations that dandelion has made of himself to adapt to different environments so that he can thrive anywhere now if that's not a plant that speaks to me of the robustness that we need to move into the new space and i don't know what is yeah, it's beautiful. That's really beautiful. As you were talking, David, it's so interesting because obviously I'm sort of thinking astrologically and we've got the South Node in Scorpio right now until July 2023. And that's about toxicity. And the South Node is our collective past. And that's what we're shedding. We're shedding um, the secrets, the lies, the toxicity. And we're moving towards Taurus, which is much more a pure connection, direct connection to the earth and all that you're talking about. But we've got to shed the toxicity before we can do that in a really beneficial way to get to that Taurus North Node. So, you know, I, I really echo what, what you're saying. Um, it's, it's so reinforced by the astrology as well. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, being Scorpio myself, you know, uh, for me, Scorpio often represents poison. You know, Shiva is very connected to Scorpio. Shiva was the only being at the churning of the ocean of milk, uh, you know, which is a creation story from the, the Hindu traditions that Shiva was the only one who was willing to take on the poison. When there was the churning of the ocean of milk, which created the world that we live in, which is duality. Of course, there was all of the wonderful things, but there was also the sort of the poisonous things. And none of the beings that were created in that moment wanted to take on the poison so shiva was the only one who decided that he would swallow the poison because he's a tantric master so he knew that it wouldn't affect him and i think this is also really important because when we can start to work with our inner quantum energy we become tantric in the sense that we can transform energies so if we perceive an unhelpful frequency coming into our field and we're observant enough because we can feel it we can transform it so that it never gets into our physical body and never makes us sick and I think this is a really important step because once we become aware that everything that comes into our body is a choice, it's something that we've allowed <clears throat> into our energy field. <clears throat> the question then becomes, why am I allowing sickness into my field? Well, there could be a good reason. It could be that your higher self needs you to experience something so that you can release something. Or it could just be that you decide that you don't want to allow sickness into your field anymore or any other lower frequencies. And that's when we start to really become sovereign. And, you know, for me, this is a lot of where we're moving to with North Node in Taurus, with the energies that are work is again, it's this idea of self-responsibility. Yeah, 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 beautiful, R really well said. And, and we are really starting to sense that it, it all starts with us. You know, yeah. we've, we've had a life where everything has been an external authority or an external narrative. And now is the tipping point, the absolute pivot point of, of coming back 
self, coming back to our own hearts, coming back to our own center, our own sovereignty, as you say, our own authority, and living from the inside out rather than as many of us have lived, myself included, frankly, through most of my life, from the outside in. And that shift changes everything because you start to create the world you want to live in. Yes. Not being dictated to by anybody anywhere. You start to go, and that may seem kind of impossible in the world we're in, but you almost create a kind of frequency bubble around you. So you just happen to be in situations where, yes, you can see what's happening in the world, but you personally may be less impacted by it directly, which allows you the freedom to keep on staying at that high level to feed it back to the collective. It's always to feed it back. You know, we are in service right now. Right. And there's always that, that mirroring effect, right? Micro and macro is, and you hear this in so many of the ancient wisdom traditions that it's really the, you know, in order to change the world, the first thing we have to do is change ourselves yeah. rather well, than yeah, have grandiose ideas to get out there and, and be some sort of big spokesperson or whatever. Really the difficult work is to change ourselves. What could be more difficult? You know, I spent most of my adult life trying to, to release myself from some of the burdens of the past of this life and certainly of previous lives, you know, hence being Scorpio. Um, you know, but we all have that process to go through to release ourselves from the burdens of the past and of the karma. And this, I believe, is a time when karma is about to end and we are shifting into a different way of being. But in order to do that, we have to use the energy of Eris, you know, with that wonderful, how is it? The go- say it again for us, please. Hey, patron saint of chaotic creation. Right. You know, so we can see that at the collective level of what is, is is kind of collapsing, but also we can use that energy for ourselves and we can collapse the old versions of ourselves and dare to dream of a vision of a different us, different individual self, but also a, a collective self. And, you know, I think for me, that's really been the energy of March so far is this possibility that dream big, don't contain yourself, don't take your blank piece of paper and write all the blockages on there first and try to make your vision of the future fit through those. Put the vision of the future first and don't bother putting the blockages at all and then work to that narrative. Much yeah, more that's stupid Neptune. That's absolutely dream, dream big, think big in a, in a bigger way than you've ever dreamt before. Right. Totally. This is an opportunity, not just of one lifetime, but of at least two, maybe more. Right. So this is the culmination in, in every present moment. We are the culmination of everything that our soul forces and eternal spirit have done before, you know. And so it's our choice to keep evolving that into a different space. But we have to dream big and we have to have beautiful visions for ourselves because, you know, I kind of think we are here in this this uh, how to say this experiment, this illusion, this game, however you want to describe duality. And once we realize that it is all of that, then we can start to play the game on our own terms. Rather than taking somebody else's rules, which I never really agreed to in the first place, actually, um, you know, I can play the game on my own terms uh, and but do it from a heart centered way that doesn't hurt people, that it isn't manipulative or controlling or contrived or any of those things. And I think that the more that we open our heart and a great medicine for this would be uh, Hawthorne. Hawthorne, the, the, you know, the, the fairy May Queen is really connected to Beltane. Another wonderful plant that's really heart centered is San Pedro. Uh, and as I'm discovering out here in Mexico, another plant that's very heart centered is, is the maguey plant, which produces mezcal. Um, you know, so that's maybe a conversation for another time. But, you know, it, even just a small shot of mezcal is really a tincture of the heart of the maguey plant or, you know, or the, uh, the agave plant. And so it's a heart medicine, you know, so we can really kind of open our hearts, even in these difficult times and find a place of love for everything, for everybody, but particularly 
I think that when we spend time in nature, that love just emanates from the plants, it emanates from Mother Earth because they, Mother Earth is unconditional love, really. At her essence, she's unconditional love. And if we can attune ourselves to that frequency, then we're going to be fine. We're all going to be fine, you know? And so, um, well, we've done an hour already, Pam, and it's just like it's gone so fast as always. But uh, do you have anything sort of final thoughts as a wrap up that you'd like to share before, before we finish for today? I think the only thing to say really is these are monumental times. You know, history books will be written about these times. They are absolutely massive. Keep coming back to the simple, coming back to what's my frequency, what's my state of being. Let that be your, um, your, your navigational tool, if you like. That simple thing of keep bringing yourself back to what can I do to raise my frequency, that will automatically beam out to the world. So it's that simple. It doesn't have to be, you know, the overwhelm of events out there because that's just so daunting. You don't know where to begin. Come back to the simple. Come back to you keeping in a good state of being. And that that just cascades out to the world. I agree. Keep it simple. Keep it heart centered. And, you know, I think just really tune into what is right for you. You know, each and every one of us as individuals, we, I believe, have the God given right to be whoever we want to be. You know, and not to be a version that somebody else has given us because it suits them and suits their narrative and their dream or whatever. You know, this is a chance for us all to dream big for ourselves. And of course, I'm not a parent, so I don't have the responsibility of children. But, you know, you can if you have minors that are under your responsibility, you can also help them to dream big. But, you know, this is a time with all of the energies where, again, we choose the frequency. Do we dream big or do we accept somebody else's dream? And I think that this is just really where we're at. So I totally concur. And as always, Pam, thank you so much for for everything that you do. I know that you're just incredibly busy all the time, but bless you. You know, I know so many people out there, myself included, have really uh, not only found what you shared to be useful, but in many moments I've relied on the astrology, knowing that, ah, well, this is what's going to happen next week. So it's maybe a better idea just to sit and wait before I do that or to act. And this is really where the astrology right now can help all of us. We have the, the blueprint, the container of where we're heading, but we can color in the picture to our own kind of frequency, right? So thank you so much, Pam, for your time and your wisdom and your heart and everything that you share. I know that you are possibly one of the most popular ladies in Britain these days, you know. <laughs> but Just in service, humble. I think. Just in uh, service. You always say that you're far too humble. But thank you so much. Thank you to everybody for tuning in and listening. And hopefully you found the show useful today and inspiring. And as we say, just be in a place of absolute bliss and joy and follow your joy and you won't go too far wrong. Thank you, everybody. Take care, and we'll see you again very soon. Much love, everybody. Bye. Bye. Well, well, that was really, really interesting, that session. Now, it was Noam Chomsky, one of the most important intellectuals in life today, has drawn up a list of 10 media manipulation strategies. Number one, the strategy of distraction. The primordial element of social control is a distraction strategy which consists of diverting the public's attention from major problems and the changes decided by political and economic entities. Through the flooding technique or flooding continuous distractions and insignificant information. 
Distraction strategy is also essential to prevent the public from becoming interested in essential knowledge in the areas of science, economics, psychology, neurobiology and cybernetics. Keeping the audience's attention deviated from real social problems imprisoned by themes without real importance. Keeping the people busy, busy, busy with no time to think back to the farm like other animals. <laughs> That's from, um, from Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. Number two, creating problems and then offering the solution. This method is also called problem reaction solution. It creates a problem, a situation, planned to cause a certain reaction from the public with the aim that this is the source of measures they want to accept. For example, letting ur urban violence intensify or organise bloody attacks with the aim of the public being those requiring security laws and policies to the detriment of freedom. Also create an economic crisis to make social rights de demotion and dismantle public services except as a necessary evil. That's true that. Three, the strategy of graduation. To make an unacceptable measure accepted, you only need to apply it gradually by dropper for consecutive years. This is how radically new socio-economic conditions, as neoliberalism, neo were imposed during decades of the 80s and the 90s. Minimum state, privatisation, precariousness, flexibility, mass unemployment, wages that no longer guarantee dignified incomes. So many changes that would have brought about a revolution if they were implemented at once. This, then before is the strategy of deferring. Another way is to get an unpopular decision accepted as it is painful and necessary, gaining public acceptance in the moment for future application. It is easier to accept a future sacrifice than an immediate sacrifice. First, because effort that isn't taken immediately. Second, because the public, the mass, always tends to na naively hope that everything will be better tomorrow and that required sacrifice could be avoided. This gives the audience more time to get used to the idea of change and accept it resigned when the time comes. Five, reach to the public like children. Most advertisements directed at the large audience uses speeches, arguments, characters and a particularly childish intonation, many times close to weakness, as if the viewer were a few years old creature or a mental moron. When you try to deceive the viewer, the more you tend to use a childish tone. Why, why? If someone addresses a person as if they were 12 or under, then based on suggestionability, they will probably tend to, to a response or reaction, even without a critical sense, like that of a 12 year old person or less. Using emotional aspects much more than reflection. Take advantage of emotion is a classic technique to evoke a short circuit and a rational analysis and finally the critical sense of the individual. Additionally, the use of emotional register allows the unconscious excess door to implant or inject ideas, desires, fears, and fears of complications or induced behaviours. Number seven, keeping the public in ignorance and mediocrity. 
making the public incapable of understanding the technologies and methods used for their control and slavery. The quality of education given to lower social classes must be as poor and mediocre as possible, so that the distance of ignorance that plans between lower classes and upper classes and remains impossible to fill from the lower classes. Number eight, stimulating the public to be complacent with mediocrity. That's pushing the audience to think it's fashionable to be stupid, vulgar and ignorant. Number nine, strengthening self-guilt. Making the individual believe that he is only the output of this disgrace because of insufficient intelligence, skill or effort. So instead of rebelling against the economic system, the individual develops himself and blames himself, which in turn creates a de depressive state, one of whose effect is the inhibition of his actions. And without action, there's no revolution. And number 10, knowing individuals better than they know themselves. Over the past 50 years, science rapidly progress has generated a growing gap between public knowledge and those possessed and used by the dominant elites. Thanks to biology, neurobiology and applied psychology, the system has enjoyed advanced knowledge of the human being both in a physical and psychological form. The system has managed to learn better about the common individual than he knows himself. This means that, in most cases, the system exercises greater control and greater power over an individual greater than, the, than that which the same individual exercises over himself. Now, does that seem relevant to things today? Uh, not sure when Noam wrote that, but he's, uh, he's been around for many, many years, Noam Chomsky. I am Barry, it's been the voice within. Kakite, shalom, namaste, masalam. May our God go with you. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.